Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cabin. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor here at the Angus Celt. As we look back over, I suppose, well, there's a weekend of action. Um, we go through each division in detail over on the diehard service. That's www.patreon.com forward slash We Are Cabin. Um, but what we're going to do on today's McAvoy Super Value show is go through your talking points because Paul, you can tell that football is back on and uh, people are energised by it. I don't think we've had as many talking points sent in as, as, as we had this week. That's right. Yeah. It's serious interest. It's record high interest. And it's, I'd say it's not just in Cavan, it's across the country. But you can see it with the numbers talking out for teams and people going to games. Um, I suppose there was, there was a limit at the weekend, which was observed pretty well. Like, But I think anywhere where there might have been more people in that was allowed. It, 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 they were very well socially distanced. There was a bigger venues might have let a few more people in, but the good weather brought brought them out as well. But yeah, no interest. Interest is sky high, Damien. We never before had two rounds of league run right in right up the championship. So like, it's absolute bumper stuff. Yeah, it is. It is, and and, and it it was interesting. The game I was at, I have to say, hats off to Mount Nugent. They had everything exceptionally well organised and. But a few people from Drumley that I spoke to before the game over the weekend kind of said, do you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go up to the game because I, I don't want to go up and then be torn away. And surely there'll be 100 people from a Nugent at it. You know, so it, it, it kind of did, I think, maybe the limit on the numbers deterred some people from going out. So, which overall worked that, it, you know, th- there was no real problems that I heard of anyway. No, there was no problems. But like the thing is, um, the GA have come out and uh, and requested that the rules be relaxed for GA matches. Uh, John Horan says this is an absolute hammer blow. I see the Cork chairperson has come out this morning, Tracy Kennedy, requesting that the, it, it's looked at again because the, for a start, it's unworkable. You know, if you're if you're we're talking about telling volunteers to turn people away from going into a game who are wearing masks, possibly they're socially distancing. They're in a venue where you can comfortably accommodate them. What happens if you have a little ticker or something, you're counting all the people that go in and you've a hundred odd people involved with teams that are gone in. You've got club officials that are running torn signs or whatever, or county board officials. What happens if you you reach your capacity and the next person to come along is someone who has sponsored your minor team for the last 20 years? Do you tell that man or woman, get out of here, you're not getting in? You know, I, I think it's totally unworkable. Mm. Yeah, there, there, there has to be some form of a solution anyway that, that 
you know, and, and maybe it may be the app that Cavan are bringing out, which could work for championship. That you know, you you have to have bought your ticket in advance, maybe to to go into it because you know we have to, we have to come up with some form of a solution. I think that like you take the different venues, Mount Eugene don't have a stand, so you know there's a limited capacity where you can keep a social distance there. Um, whereas compared to Kings Court, that have a, a big big stand. You know, you can you can fit far far more in the in the game in Kings Court. So I think, and and there's just two examples. But you've got a common sense has to prevail through the different um, the different venues across the county, and maybe that's yeah. what has to be done is nearly put a capacity that well you can hold in in Drumalee you can hold two hundred, whereas in Kings Court you can hold five hundred people, whatever the case may be. Maybe there has yeah. to be something like that done. Yeah, well, I spoke to Martin Cattle this morning, the treasurer, and. He said that they were very cognizant of that when they were doing their championship fixtures. So he, said, he actually mentioned Drumalee and he says Drumalee is a fantastic venue, with, especially with the new facilities. And Drumalee always has a great surface all year round, etc. But he was saying like you only have access to the one side of the field, so it's not ideal when you when you need to separate things like that. So stuff like that was taken into account for championship fixtures because in the past they've used, I think like twenty seven venues to use one year. Um, for championship matches, but they're not going to be using that many this year. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll we, we'll pick up on the Anglo side this week to hear exactly what Martin was saying. Um, we we'll start off with the talking points. So, yeah, a lot of talking points, Damien. So we've a lot to get through here. <clears throat> uh, the first one that came in. Well, I, actually, last week we sent out a question: Who's going to win the championship? So I'll just very quickly give you those. Um, Lara Mann got in touch and says Lara will win the championship because they are unreal and former intermediate beasts. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lara. I love Lara Mann. Lara Mann, he's brilliant. He's he's a he's a one issue candidate. If he was if, yeah. if he was running for election, like he's he's running on on one policy and one alone, Lara. Uh, <laughs> the next one said Garner, it's time. The next one said Crushlaw, as they are a young team with Champo final experience. Defo wore a shout. Next one said Kildallan. Uh, someone else says, "Never mind who's going to win it. Will it be finished?" Uh, I think I think it will be myself. Uh, next one just said Gales. Next one said Cavan Gales because Gerald McKerna will be huge for them. Crush it all if McVitie is back. Uh, the next one said Cavan Gales. Jelly Martin Dunn playing well. Robert Maloney Derham and Big G Dream Team. Uh, someone else says lacking because no one will expect it. And then a, a lack of man said Balanya. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I can't see Panya winning the senior this year. <clears throat> so the talking points after the weekend, a great one to start us off. Someone says, junior championship to be higher standard than intermediate. That's a very interesting one. Yeah, well, I suppose it, well, it can lead on into a discussion. Well, sorry, some news we were going to break later on in the show, but you know, might as well break it now. But one junior team looks like they're going to benefit from Restore, uh, return of a star player David Givney's transfer back to Manujo went through on the 16th of July um, we can reveal here on the on the We Are Cavan podcast so that you know that in itself and I see Manujo at the weekend they were very very good like real quality forwards but take into take into account then your Dens who beat Cuhullins at the weekend Shannon Gales who beat Kilachandra at the weekend you know, there's a strong argument that junior championship is going to be very, very strong this year. Yeah, completely. And Munch O'Connor put up a great show down in Milltown against Jermaine, beaten by two points. Right. Uh, you know, there's depth in the junior championship this year. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, ten, like Tampa Port put up a massive score against Strong as well. So Tampa Port looked to have kicked on. Liam Gallagher. Brian beat Arva. So like in any matchup where it was a junior team against a team from a higher grade, the junior team won it as far as I can see. With so, the exception of Muncher Connacht. Yeah, sorry, with the exception of Muncher Connacht, who who didn't didn't do too bad at all. So I think that's a very a very good one. Like you look at Mar Nugent, I think it was two years ago I watched them in the championship. Uh can't remember where that game was. It possibly was in, in Bally McHugh or somewhere like that. Or Bally Duff, I think it might have been. It was they played Muncher Connacht and I thought they were brilliant that evening. The forwards are, are exceptional. Like Kieran Caffrey, I think is a hell of a player and you've t- two regals there. You, You've you've Ben and Ned Ned Brunton has come into the squad this year. You've Josh O'Reilly at the back, like they're they're strong. And then you throw in uh, David Givney into the mix. Like there's not too many junior players are going to handle David Givney. Definitely not. Definitely not. Now, and I I I came away from the game at the weekend saying it'll be a very good junior team that beats Mike Nugent in the championship if they can reproduce that level of form that they played against Drummolly at the weekend. Um, particularly up front, but that was before. Like David Givney wasn't at the game at the weekend. Now I understand he's in Ireland, but he's um, he has to cocoon for two weeks uh, while he's back. Um, so or, or before he can come out. So like it's Manhugent are going to they've got an eye on that junior championship, and and from what I've seen, they're in really good shape. Management have them have them in in top shape there, and they're 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 ready for a non slot, but. There's a lot of teams, obviously, uh, that are that are going to do the same. It's it's a it's a valid argument. Having said that, the top end of it, the Balinyas, the Ballyhays, the the Cuhullans, if any of them were down in in junior, I think they'd win it. Yeah, yeah, I I have to agree, like completely. You know, you you, see, you can't read too much into these one-off league matches. But it does. you couldn't argue that it's going to be a higher standard than intermediate, really. But you could argue that it's a much higher standard than normal. And I think, yeah. I think it is going to be a higher standard than normal. What we might do is do up odds on it. I must talk to my my uh, maths guru that I discuss these things with, Kevin Egan. He might, yeah. he might, if I give him the information, he might drop a book for us. It'd be interesting if people are interested in what, what we think the betting odds might be in the junior. Uh, the next one feeds into this as well, Damien. It just said Liam Gallagher on fire. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, well, let, again, we'll go through that in, in the in the review on the vision tree. But one ten, I think I seen that he scored. Yeah, or I think it might have been one eleven, and he missed the penalty. Oh my so, god! Like, fantastic what was he doing? <laughs> what was he at? How do you miss a penalty? Yeah, some. But look, at, on on his day, he's um, he, he's very very hard to handle. He's got speed. He's accurate. He's intelligent. There's a, there's a lot going for Liam Galligan. And, uh, you know, two performances like that, or maybe even three or four of them going into championship. And all of a sudden, the calls start to go out for Mickey Graham to have a look at him. And, and you know what? With, with, with three or four good games under his belt, why not? Well, I, one Cavan player uh, on the current Cavan panel said that he thinks he should be, he's right up there, he should be on the panel. So, um That'll tell you, he's well-respected. He's played underage for the county. Very good free-taker as well. So I don't know whether he have the physicality for county football yet, but I haven't, I haven't seen him playing in a while. But uh, certainly has a lot going for him. And there's lots of good forwards on that Temple Four team. So like, they're another that should be on the shortlist for junior as well. Mm, that's it. And some young young blood coming through. I've seen Liam uh, Bannon and Liam Galligan come on. And so did Luke Donahue. They're all... 
um, on their 17 last year, so making their, their, their senior debuts. But again, we, we'll go through all that at the weekend. But Templeport won't be too far away. Yeah, uh, next one came from a Calvin Gales man. He says, Ballyhays look strong for intermediate. Yeah, well, we, we were debating this a little bit over and back. Cause on last week's, one of the podcasts last week, we said that, you know, the difference between should be winning or could be winning intermediate, should be winning or could be winning a senior, it should be eight, nine, ten points. And 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 we, we use that kind of across the board. But uh, by all accounts, Ballyhays... You know they they kept they kept within touch and distance of Calvin Gales. Now Calvin Gales, from what I understand of this game, they their their third quarter was excellent. They got they got out in front, and usually when they get that four or five points in front, we've we've said it a good few times. They they accelerate. They they push on and they win by 12, 13 points. But they didn't manage to do that this time against Bally Hayes, which which bodes well, I think, for Bally Hayes and and. The other point being that talking to a couple of people from Ballyhays, players they were disappointed with that result. Now, I I I take that that there's confidence in that Ballyhays side. They they believe there's a better level of performance to come yet. Mm. Well, I, I know Kevin Tierney scored a point. I didn't hear how he played generally. I only saw that stat. So normally Kevin would would be putting up a few scores. So maybe he was well held. Like he's a potential match winner. Um, Park Moore only came on. I've heard conflicting reports about whether he's going to be available for championship or not, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but uh, Sean no, McCormick didn't play for, for Bally Hayes either. Um, yeah, so he'd be a key, a key figure there. I, I believe, even though Grove McKernan had a good game, I believe Brian O'Rourke uh, did quite well against him, which is a big ask of an 18 year old uh, to mm. compete in any way against a player like Grove McKernan, who's a monster at club level. So um, good, good it, 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 time will tell whether it's that Ballyhays are, are are better than some people thought or Calvin Gales aren't as good as some people thought and by some people I mean me um, <laughs> so it's, it's time will tell whether that was a rise in Ballyhays stock or a fall in Calvin Gales stock but uh, we, we'll have to watch it as, so you can't read too much into them just yet until we've a, a bigger sample of games to, to judge yeah, to be fair, the Gales are missing a few, like Johnston, uh, Maloney Durham, uh, Stephen Murray, lads like that weren't playing. So Harry Fortune as well. Harry Fortune, yeah. So there's a good few starters to come in there. But... Paul Graham, another one, played the junior game, which was interesting. Yeah, he came on, I think, in the senior game, and he, and he played the junior game. But I don't think the Gales squad is as deep as it used to be, but uh, looking around at games, you know, I have a feeling that some teams might have dipped but we'll get to all that on the next podcast. The, yeah. next, co- the next comment that came in was also related to that game. Bally Hayes goalie, Gary O'Rourke's three phenomenal saves and a solid debut from G-Mac for the Gates. Yeah, By all I... accounts, Barry, T- Barry Tierney, the PRO for, for Bally Hayes, uh, compiled a report on the game <clears throat> and he, he nominated Gary O'Rourke as his man of the match. By all accounts, he made a couple of worldies of saves. So I spoke. I spoke with a, a Bally Hayes man after um, hearing about Gary Rock's performance. Uh, yeah, a second Bally Hayes man, and he said, "Yeah, it was excellent." So just to get some depth on it, I I, I texted Gales man, and he said he, it was a top class performance by him. That his kickouts, he he thought his kickouts were just excellent, really top quality. Now he did mention he said the sales were good, were very good too, but he was most impressed with his kickouts. Calvin Gales, now. Big, big open space and Bally Hayes, but he had to hit his targets and he did. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think he's I think he's a really good goalkeeper. Like he's he was in around the Cavan squad last while. Has had a couple of injuries, but uh, I think he's a major asset to Temple or to Ballyhays. Yeah, major yeah. asset. Like he's he's Cluxton-esque with the with the left peg. Uh, the next there was two comments coming in. It was funny. One was from a Gowna man, and the next was from a Lacken man. And the Gowna man says, Gowna conceding three sixteen against a poor Lacken side. And the Lacken man <laughs> replied to that and says. Lacking conceding seven seven against a poor guy to say. I I I was I was um helping you out earlier on today doing doing the report for the Celt and I think I wrote that by looking at it you'd think that there was social distances in play in Croke Park um on Sunday but with scores like that. But when you when you speak to people it was far from social distancing going on. Yeah, no, it got hot and heavy, I think, uh, as Lacking and Garner do. Uh, and we think we kind of predicted that one, but uh, I suppose it was ba- the bad news for Garner was that Conor Madden got a facial injury towards the end of the game, and he went off in an ambulance. I don't know how bad it is, but but know. in the same incident, Craig Lenoz got a facial in- uh, injury, and it looks like his season is over. Oh, right, I hadn't heard that. So it's uh, it's it, it was it was a blow to both sides, yeah. So it's um. It's by no means. It, it was by no means um, just just Gowna's injury. Like I think it's a, a from what I had heard, it's a broken nose to Connor Madden, which gives him the potential to play again in a, in a few weeks' time. Um, but I think Craig Lenoz is, is is out for the rest of the season with the injury he got. Right, I didn't hear that. So that's yeah, that's the danger of playing these league games and so close to the championship. The lads are going to get injuries, and mm. there was several other players got injuries over the weekend. But uh, like three sixteen was phenomenal scoring by Lacken. Um, Ray Galligan chipped in with a lot of that, a lot of frees, and a goal from a penalty. Seemingly had a, had a good game. Um, yeah, but, out around the middle of the field. Yeah, and seemingly seemingly had a good game. Paul Letty was in close to goal for Lacken. Um, and had a good old-fashioned tussle, I think, with, with David Phillips. No, no quarter asked or given there. And and uh, But going to score 7-7, I think the lacking goalkeeper, Jimmy Smith, was un- unlucky for a couple of them. And, uh, you know, a bit of luck probably went going his way. There was another one that bounced and kind of nobody went for it and went all the way to the net. So you get, get games like that. I think there was a penalty in that as well. So I believe Con- yeah. Connor Madden got three of them. Uh, which was which was great scoring, but uh, I mean, it was funny. I was I was onto a couple of Lacken fellas to keep notes because we always send someone. The Celtic always send someone to championship games, like and pride ourselves on covering every championship match. But for the league, like you'd be looking to get cooperation from clubs and so on. But uh, I was talking to a Lacken fella the weekend. I just checked back my text and. What I said to him was, look, if you can keep a few notes for me, it'll make things easier. And I said, hopefully it'll be low score and it'll be easy to compile a report. And next thing I saw, I saw the score, <laughs> three sixteen to seven seven. My God. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely, definitely goals galore. Anyway, I don't think I've ever seen an adult game with ten goals in it before. But um, definitely a long time. Yeah, uh, the next one that came in said, "Are water breaks needed?" My answer to that is no. I I'm wondering what the what the idea is behind it. Like, is it for medical reasons that right dehydration may make you more susceptible to the virus? I've no idea. What what's the logic behind it? Have you heard? I've I've absolutely no idea. But I, I think that if a player needs a drink of water, he gets one anyway. It's not a thing. Well, that you're, you're on well the, the only thing is that you have to use your own bottle. 
So is 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 it down to that that basically you can't have your you can't have thirty bottles lying on the side of the field. So rather than rather than have all those bottles scattered everywhere, that you you, you come together, you get your own bottle, and you go back out and get a get back to play. Maybe maybe that's the logic behind. Yeah, it. Yeah, maybe they don't want people handling other fellas' water bottles, yeah. which is ah, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Then I I withdraw my my. Uh, Previous lazy, objection. My lazy and ignorant comment there saying no. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. Uh, Cross. Yes, yeah, go for it. There was a bit of uh, controversy then. So the next comment that came in was about King's Court and Killigary, and it said Paddy Mead having Martin Riley in his arse pocket. That did not go down well with some of the Killigary people. Uh, a couple of lads responded and said that Paddy Mead tangled with Ocean Brady when Ocean was on the ground, and they were, they were in bad humour about that. Um, so I wasn't at that game now, but I, I did hear that Paddy Mead had been going very well in challenge games and stuff like that for for uh, Kingscourt. Or for, sorry, for Killigary. So for Kingscourt. For Kingscourt. Sorry, I'm asleep there. But uh, yeah. yeah, so it's interesting. If he was, if he did a good job at Martin Riley, he, he, he'll have a good day's work done because not too many players can handle him. But I'd have to have to find out more on that one. But Paddy Mead was on, on the team sheet lined out at full back. Um so did Martin Riley play on the inside? And if so, is that Martin Riley's best position? Well, I know, you know? Colin McKeown picked up Connor Smith, I was told. Uh, yeah, and so, Connor ended up with 1-5 from open play. Yeah, well, look, I think men know, men know secret of the fact. I think he's, with the exception of Darren McVitie, I think Connor Smith's the best inside scoring forward in the county at the minute. I really believe, I really believe that. I, I I think he has the potential to be. I, I'd like to see him step to the next level to to prove that. But um, definitely, there's no shortage of potential there. Anyway, the, the the big one for me from that game I, again, I hadn't heard anything of of Paddy Mead or Martin Riley um, being exceptional from the from the sides that I got in contact for that game. Um, you know, not not that either of them played poorly, but that. I didn't hear anything about the battle. What I had heard was Connor Smith was was excellent. Porrick Faulkner with two two from the middle of the field. Like that's that's a talking point. Porrick Faulkner has he ever scored as many goals in in a season? Um, or or his goal ratio this year has to be phenomenal, hasn't he? Two goals with Calvin in the league. Yes, and yeah, yes, yeah. So over maybe seven games in total now, he must have four goals. That that's. That's that's dreamland for Park Faulkner, surely. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Like, but he's so powerful. Like when he when he gets in, he, he can just drive through defenses when he gets close to goal, and and he goes for goal when he when he's up there. Like he that's just right. he just bursts his way through because he's just got that power. Like ah, he's he's turning into a an exceptionally good player. Uh, really is maturing into one of the one of the very best players in the county, without a doubt. And you see, um, he could be delighted with Paddy Mead in on the county panel. Maybe he's trying to groom Paddy to be the full back so it frees him up to go out the field and score a few goals. Uh, for ca- for Cavan, yeah. For Cavan. Yeah. He, he could end up playing full forward the way he's going. <laughs> he could. He definitely could. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service 
and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Next talking point was Adam Rehill on fire. Your defence is terrified, Damien. Adam Rehill was exceptional at the weekend. That's, that, that's, that's literally where, where I could hold it off. His movement was very good. Um, you know, he, he, he can kick long range. He scored one free um, in the first half that was against the wind, 45 metres out, and, and probably had another 10, 15 metres on it if he really wanted. Um, you know, the, Adam, Adam Rehill is six foot three, I'd say, or, or, or down close to that sort of size. Another big, big unit. And they have a lot of, a lot of big men in, in Manugent as well. But definitely on, on, on the weekend's performance, Adam Real is going to be one to watch. Now he's, what is he, 23, 24 years of age? Would he be around that? Yeah, I'd say he is, if he is that, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's still young and still developing, but he's, uh, he, he, if there's one possible flaw to his game, is he's, he's like a lot of left-footers, he's all left-footed. Mm, you know, yeah. but having said that, he makes room onto that left foot, and, and he didn't give away the ball. He was very intelligent with the way he used it. So, um, yeah, very impressive performance. Yeah, that, the next, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll talk actually on the Division Three review more about that game because there was there was other very good performances from a Nugent. Okay, uh, yeah. So we run through these now. The, the next comment said, "Rammer seconds not fielding against Lavi." I don't know what happened there because it, it said that that game was postponed rather than... It wasn't a concession. So I don't know the reason for that. Um, yeah, but it, it it brings up that whole issue, doesn't it? About about a second team playing a different division and that. Like, if if you're if you're going to that... I'd have, I'd have preferred to see Rammer play that game and, and that people would know, but maybe they were looking at it and saying... I don't know, maybe it was numbers. I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe maybe it was Lavi that couldn't field. I actually don't. I don't know what the story was there um, because I know Rammer second team were playing challenge matches and had big numbers out. So um, the next talking point relates to Rammer as well. Two young, exciting debutant scorers for Rammer. That's Sean McAvoy and Connor Nulty, who both came on and scored. Sean got a goal um, against Goodhill. That's no surprise. That's no surprise. And like, there's there's been a lot of talk about about Sean McAvoy obviously we all know how good a soccer player he is but there's a lot of excitement exciting was the word that this Rammer man used and he, he's right there's a lot of excitement around Virginia about these two youngsters and, and others we, we we singled them out last year as, as some of the outstanding players in that under 20 division 1 winning team Like that's the sort of young talent that I think that possibly isn't there with the other uh, leading contenders for the senior Obviously, Crush Law have, have young talent there, but like lads coming in off an, an under 20 Division 1 winning team, like that's a high caliber of player. And like, I think Sean McAvoy's got an awful lot of potential. Um, so, like, it's good, interesting. They're going to be watching them closely, and it's interesting that they're featuring now. That would suggest they're going to feature in the championship, these young fellas. Yeah, and 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 just briefly, you, you're talking about lads in their debut season, Sean McAvoy won. Ned Brunton, just to, to break my own rule on it, but Division Three, Whitman Eugen, centre half forward, he was excellent. He was absolutely brilliant. Scored a goal, fouled for a penalty, was involved in the third one, was 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 really really on fire. Quivin McGovern 
looked good for um, Shannon Gales. Again, another minor debutant. We spoke about Brian O'Rourke, another minor debutant coming in. Niall Carlin played a cornerback for Coo Hollands. There's a lot of these lads that were county minors last year. And on the first game, on the, on the evidence of the first game of the year, look like they're going to be comfortable at senior level. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, one of the Mooney brothers started corner forward for yeah, the Gary as well. That was a good and crop. And and Riley started in the backs, I think, for Killigarry as well. Yeah, so that, that, there was a good crop of players there we've had, like under 17, under 18 in the last year or two. So good to watch those lads now. Mm. Because, you know, traditionally you would have always had 18, 19-year-olds breaking into senior teams and doing really well. That's kind of faded away a little bit. But, you know, you take a lad like Sean McAvoy, like he's, he's been playing against men in soccer for the last couple of years anyway, against grown men of 30 years of age. like So it shouldn't yeah. knock anything out of him. Um, the next one <clears throat> was Andrew Dewar back from Qatar with a hairline for Garner. Uh, I'm not even going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on there. I don't know uh, what the hairline is. If, if Andrew Dewar is back for Garner, it's another good good option for him because he's a good player as well. Uh, then, one you're going to have to help me out on, speaking, speaking of Garner. Who's Twink? I don't know. Somebody know. from Gowden is going to have to get in contact. I was just looking at the Twitter feed from the game and Twink squared the ball for TJ's goal. Um, I've no idea who Twink is. Okay, someone from Gowden is going to have to tell us who Twink is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a name for a dog. And, or... and, why, and why they're called Twink. <laughs> Usually there's a name relation or there's something that you can think, but we're going to need a lot of explanations on that. Uh, then impressive today in Mola, good junior championship ahead. And someone else says said that as well, uh, that then we're really good up in Mola. So we're, we'll talk about that in more so in the in the later podcast. But yeah, then that was one of my six crazy calls, Damien, I mean, if you remember, was then to be in the junior final. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't, I can't wait till they all come through. Uh, Put the champagne up, on ice. <clears throat> doubt he's eight points for Collins, but old failings at the back. That's I like that little comment. It's like a headline with that. That we'd have in the paper. Um, yeah. That's basically has been the story of Collins in the last couple of years that they've they've been really good up front and tend to concede a wee bit too much. But uh, that was probably the story again the weekend. Larman went back in. Fair play to Larman. <laughs> One comment wasn't enough. He came back and said, "Lara, fantastic against from Goon." <laughs> Ah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. A, di- was... a different Lara man. Uh, I can just imagine Lara man with a Superman setup with his jocks on outside his trousers and a big L on his chest. Yeah, and instead of it being in yellow, it's in orange. And, yeah, <laughs> you can see all of that. Uh, the next comment was from a more sensible Lara man. <clears throat> he says, three-fisted goals for Lara today, two by Paddy Roden and one for Jack McKenna. How many times do we see Lara do that over the last couple of years where... There's so many players breaking forward that there's an overlap on the goal line almost or coming into the box and it's just a matter of square that ball. Somebody's going to palm it into the net because they run from everywhere. Yeah. You know, they, they cover all sorts of angles in, in their running and, and they're full of hard running. And again, usual suspects getting the scores, I think, in that game. Paul Smith, Paddy Rudden, two goals. Uh, was it Jack McKenna? One three or one four, something like that. So, yeah, Paul Smith six points. Yeah, speaking of the hard running, I'd love to see their GPS stats, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Next talking point, going to score in 7-7. We've, we've covered that. Uh, someone else criticising referees. I'm not going not gonna to read that one out because I didn't see the game. Uh, someone else says, going and not playing as a team up front. Uh, oh, you score seven it. goals. It's seven goals, not too bad. Uh, Ted Donahue and Kevin Kyogen running riot in Muller. I heard uh, Ted was was outstanding, and 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 obviously Cavell did he finish with five or six points or something to his name as well. Yeah, so they got something like two, seven, or eight between them. So I got uh, a lot of abuse saying that Cavell Kyogen had the had the potential to be a county footballer. And I still stand by it. If he if he made up his mind that I'm going to do everything that it takes to be a county footballer, I think he has the football. Like he's, you look at week in week out, he's scoring. He's constantly scoring. You know now whether he's whether he's athletically there, I, I don't know. But somebody who's consistently on the scoreboard the way he is, I, I think they have the potential. Yeah. Well. Like- He's a big man, like you know, a good big one's better than a good little one, as to say. He's a big, big fella, like, and he's he's very accurate. But Ted, Ted is part of the cabin panel at the minute, and it's mm. great to see him. He seems to be over his injury problems because he's. We know how good he he was at underage level with Cavan and with St Pat's. Uh, someone else says, "Gowan's forward line is like Kerry's." Uh, yeah. In what way? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he means by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, look, there's lots of talent in that kind of forward line. Anyway, like you, Robbie Fitzpatrick, Key and Madden got a goal. Robbie Fitzpatrick, a couple of points. TJ got a goal. Connor Madden was obviously outstanding. And Ocean Pearson had a great game. Did he get a hat trick, Ocean Pearson, or did he got two goals? Two goals. So, one, of, one of his goals came where um, he made a mark, and I think the whistle went, and the Lacken lads were were. Bit dozing a bit, I think, and didn't just kind of stopped. And Pearson pulled in the top corner from twenty meters, which which he can do because he's got a rocket of a shot on him. And he was fouled for the penalty as well. So there you go. Pearson looks like he's in good form, which is something that we uh, noted. Definitely, county players seem to have stood out at, uh, in weekend one. Absolutely, yeah, you can see that in every game. Um, the the worry I have for Garner is, as we said before. You know, are they good enough from number one to nine to win a championship? So they're certainly good enough from from ten to fifteen. And nobody could doubt that. Yeah. But I, I could see them three sixteen. You know, probably wouldn't fill you with confidence. But and like again, a lacking lacking side of the story when the injury happened at the end of the game to Conor Madden and Craig Lenoz, it was three minutes into injury time, or two two or three minutes maybe into injury time. But the uh, Lacken were after scoring four points on the trot to bring it back to a three-point game. And then it was just because they were waiting on an ambulance and that that they were saying, look, just blow it up at this stage. So, you know, one Lacken supporter, kind of a bit like the Lara man, um, said, look, we could have won that game. We, you know, we, we had all the momentum. So it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Lacken, Lacken had two or three black cards. And, and during those times where they had, where they had a player in the sin bin each time they tended to concede a couple of goals. So, um, yeah, the next talking point was again, King scored in Killigary. This one's getting tasty now on, on Instagram. Every Killigary lad being afraid of Toasty. <laughs> I, do you know what? I think that's a wee bit harsh. I just think it should be every lad is afraid of Toasty. <laughs> and rightly so. Yeah. But the same, the same but, lad that put this up, is, he's not afraid of Toast himself. I'll tell you that. Right. Well, that I, I, I hope he's listening. 
the the interesting one is that Toasty played in the forward line, or or definitely was named in the forward line for Kings Court. That is interesting. Yeah, would never. Well, he played as a forward way back, like when he was the underage level. I remember him playing as a forward at times, but yeah, when he back was back for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he... Next comment was, uh, yeah, that Kieran Brady had his hands full against Notbride for Arva. Uh, I heard that Kieran Brady had a, had a good game. That he was he's been really leading Arva very well in training and challenge games and stuff because they're they're short players. But we talk about that on the next one. Um, someone else says poor standard of referee. Again, not going to get into it because I was only no. at one game and I, I think we'll we'll hold we'll hold judgment on the referees until we see them in championship. I will put in one comment, and 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 this is in defence of referees. I I think that. The mark, the attacking mark, is very difficult to please to 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 actually get it one hundred percent right because you know it, it it's exactly where the kick is from. A lot of them are borderline on on the line and maybe from a, a very difficult angle. If the grass isn't cut and if the line isn't clearing clean and white, sometimes it's not that easy to get that one. And the other one that and maybe you you'll uh, weigh in on this one. I thought. That I read on an email that the line balls, line balls now have to go forward. Um, that that's a new rule in. But I I, 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 I I haven't heard that implemented in any games at all. But now I did check with one referee, and he said to me, "Yeah, line balls do have to go forward unless they're inside the thirteen meter line, um, on the attacking end of the field." But other than that, the, the line ball must go forward now. But I, I, I haven't seen a referee, including in challenge matches, I haven't seen a referee implement that rule. So maybe it was going to be brought in and it was pulled, but we, we must uh, do a bit of research. I'll talk to, to maybe one of the county referees and see if they can shed some light on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would be an interesting one. Actually, um, we shouldn't let the podcast pass without mentioning Johnny Cusick, who passed away, uh, survivor of the 1952 Cavan team, and a great man. I interviewed him a few years ago, but he, he told me that he can remember in watching football as a young fella, and uh, like we say, in the, in the late 30s, and there was such a thing as a sideline throw back then. I've heard of that before. No way. Yeah, sideline kicks only came in like around the end of the 30s, start of the 40s. Up to that, there was a sideline throw, and you didn't throw it soccer style. You threw it like... Uh, like underarm style, or sort of like the way you throw a javelin, that kind of a throw, like a hammer, oh. like a hammer or something in, in the Olympics. So, yeah. yeah, our condolences to, to the Cusick family. Yeah, great man. We talk about uh, Johnny again because that interview I did when I was some really interesting stuff. And um, one comment in particular he made about uh, I asked him why did why did Calvin stop winning in his opinion, and he said a lot of people blame Crover. Because Crover House started running discos, and he said at one time when he was playing football, you were you went to a dance and you were home at twelve o'clock at night, and if you stayed out after one o'clock in the morning, there was a mortal sin, and the bishop would be nearly reading your name out, and uh, it was to, you couldn't go outside the diocese to a dance. This kind of kind of stuff was going on, but when the disco started, obviously they were later. But he told a story about Tom Dowd, the great Calvin official. He would have been a selector for a long time. And he, he was cutting silage for Johnny Cusick at his farm in Lavi and he asked him, and he, he or sorry, he, they were talking about it, and Tom was a selector with Calvin, and there was some young fella come, come into the Calvin panel who did very well, and, and Tom said, um, now you did very well, you're close to nailing down your place, 
look after yourself. Don't be going mad and uh, stay out of Crover. And he says, your man, your man says, I'll go to Crover anyway. <laughs> and then Johnny, Johnny, Northern Marciano said that, that summed it up, this attitude, I'll go to Crover anyway. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, we might have had a few boys that would have went to Crover playing with Cabin in the last few years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Next talking point, David. We're getting near the end of them now. Was uh, new luck Castle Rahan. I think we'll hold off on that one because I saw them playing, and there's there's a good bit of discussion in that point on its own. But yeah, Castle Rahan down six or seven of their starting team from last year, and not really because of injuries, just because they're not those lads aren't going to be playing. So that's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll hold it for for the diehards one. Yeah, quickly, uh, you mentioned Keen Riley from Kilgarry. Someone says Keen Riley taken to senior football like a duck to water. Um, no surprise. Someone else mentioned Owen Somerville, but can't figure out what their point is. Uh, someone else says not brighter than not brighter than certs for the junior champo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, with, can you have two dead certs to win one cha- one championship? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. And and like we said earlier, that that that's by no means a foregone conclusion. No, it's not. It's not. But uh, yeah. So that's that concludes the talking points, Damien. Yeah. Well, just just to bring it back. So we we mentioned the transfers earlier on. So I've done a bit of a scan through some of the the transfers uh, that have gone through relating to Cavan. Um, David Givney obviously is the, the headline there. Um, if he's back playing with Man Ugent, it changes everything. And if he's back playing with Man Ugent, what are the consequences of that for Cavan? Is he is he back in Ireland? Is he living in Ireland? Is he going to put on the blue jersey in the autumn? So these are all questions that that every Cavan supporter will be um, knocking down the the doors around Man Ugent to find out. But hopefully, hopefully, it does mean a return to David Givney because we've both made it fairly um, fairly publicly known. Of of our admiration of the ability he has and, and the loss that he is to Cavan football. Yeah, well, like if David Givney's going to play for Cavan and, and win something with Cavan, like it, it has to happen now. Like it has to happen. You know, there's no point saying yeah, it's something for the future because it, you know he's over the thirty mark now, and like you can't. It's not a thing. It's go, it's going to be hard to go right, walk right back in, um, and just play now. Whether he's going to feature in this year's Ulster Championship, I don't know. Maybe he will, but hopefully, hopefully next year, maybe if he's playing with Mernugent. And if no, you have to remember when David first broke into the cabin panel, it was off the back of Mernugent getting to the junior final in, in about 08. Um, That's right. And he's yeah. like he scored eight goals in that junior championship campaign. And I think four of them were in one game against the bridge, but like Lavia oh. was at it. Yeah, were you? Yeah. Yeah, cracking display. He that was that was the first day that I really stood up to take notice of David Gibney. But there was never, that's twelve years ago. Yeah, there was never much talk about David Gibney before that. Like he had come on as a sub for the Cavan Miners, but he was he was quite lanky and he didn't he didn't have that power that he that became a sort of a trademark of him when he was playing senior at Cavan. But he always had great hands and he was a goal scorer. I remember him scoring a hat trick for the Cavan Juniors against Loud and one day and they were absolutely hammered, but. They only scored something like three, four, three, five, and he got three goals. But that you know, player like that to get get your goals. The year Cavan got promoted, I think he got three goals in the in the league for uh, when they got to Division One, and then he got a goal in the in the championship against against their own. So mm-hmm. you no know, priceless addition to Renewsion, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing as well. 
Mm. Other transfers, Kean McArdle is back from uh, New York. He's rejoined King's Court. Um, Niall good Lawler. Good addition too, McArdle. Like, if you remember, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He came on in the county mm. final and got a crucial point in 2015 and would have started, would have generally, generally would have been a starter for King's Court. He featured in a couple of county finals, so like, great addition. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Niall Lawler had transferred to a club in London. I think earlier on in the year, and now he's transferred back to Beltorbet. So I don't know if he's if he's played at all over in London, but he's back with Beltorbet. Uh, James Farley, another one, he's back from Chicago to play for Kings Court. So Kings Court's numbers are rising, and 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 the stock is rising as a result. Yeah, look, Kings Court are big winners this weekend. Like I think, straight hands up straight away. I think I definitely underestimated Kings Court uh, coming into the championship, without a doubt. It was only before the game on Sunday, I happened to be talking to a fellow from Kingscourt and he was saying that the reports were really good, that they're going really well in challenge games. <clears throat> Excuse me, they played Matt O'Grangers from Loud, who were the Leinster Intermediate Champions last last year and gave them a serious going over, I think, in a challenge. So confidence is high, everyone's fit. Joe Dillon's flying fit, you Faulkner going really well, Barry Riley. So like Kingscourt, again, like when they get their tails up, they they won't have any fear of anyone. Be that Calvin Gales, Crush it out, Castleran, they won't fear anyone. So it's another interesting dimension to this championship, Damien. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um Patrick Smith back from Australia for, for Knock Bride. Now again now I have I've recollections of, of Patrick Smith playing for Knock Bride a, a couple of years ago. And I, I, if it's the same player I'm thinking about it, he'd be an addition. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he he, he was taking freeze as well. He he was a he was a really good player. Now Bright are getting stronger too. Every yeah. team, <coughs> excuse me, every team seems to be getting stronger. Bar, I suppose Bar the senior champions, the best team in the county for the last couple of years, appear to be getting weaker. But most teams seem to have increased their their panel, and um, which is, uh, it's it's going to be. We say this every year, but I I think the three championships this year are the are the hardest to call they ever were. Definitely in a long long time. They're the hardest to call, all right. Um, uh, another another transfer, which will be the Lagers will be delighted with. Declan McKeon is back from Vancouver for Kilachandra, a player that we've been kind of watching and watching to see when he comes back. And and his transfer went through last week as well. So that's a, that's a big addition when he's um, when he's out of quarantine and available for for Kilachandra. Oh, unreal! Like <clears throat> there's no team probably in Cavan or very few that. That were built around one man the way Kilachander were um, when Declan McKernan there was in his prime there a couple of years ago with them. He was a he was a monster yeah. club player. Like he he was a solid panelist for Cavan and played some some very good games, but he was never able to to dominate the the way his performances at club level would suggest that he could do at county level. Because at club level he was he was a beast. He was just used to control the middle of the field and kick scores. Yeah. Kicked a monster point to win the championship for them. He was he was just sensational for Kilchander. So he's you know he's a huge player, huge player for them. Yeah, m- moving away from from Cavan, I see Nevin O'Donnell's trans or well he he had transferred and 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 the transfer still remains in place to a club in Australia. So his loss to uh, Shannon Gales would be quite notable too. Yeah, that's he's going to be huge. I mean, he was captain last year. Uh, you can't replace a player like that. It's a pity for Shannon Gales because they've just brought in Kevin McGovern into the team and just as he has come in they've lost one of their outstanding players so 
unfortunate. But like that's that's been the way with Shanigales always. They've had suffered from immigration and uh, fellas going off like you have Aaron and PP O'Hara were away. I know Aaron came back for the final last year, but <coughs> like Shanigales have produced some brilliant footballers. Like they can hold their own in terms of the the quality of player that that they've brought through over the years. You know they can hold their own with anyone. Like they've brought through brilliant players. Um, like especially with, like on Father Manning Cup teams and County Minor teams, you know they used to have. We used to play them a lot on the ridge when I was on the ridge with Red Hills. Like we used to always be in say Division Three, and you'd go down to play Shanigans and they'd have unbelievable players. But yeah, you know it probably wasn't a lot of jobs in the area and stuff like that. And they, they seemed to lose players as they got older. But like for the talent that they had, you know they probably should have been. They definitely shouldn't have been competing in junior all this time because. I know Tom Riley told me once that if if they had have held on to all the players, like they'd have won an intermediate by now, and you couldn't argue with that. No, no, it's a very, very, very valid argument. Um, another player transferred in to the county that I didn't mention, but I see he came on for Kiligary. Was Ian Costello from Mayo? I, I think he was part of a Mayo panel a few years back. I heard from somebody. Oh, oh right, I haven't heard about so, that one now. So that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Another another name just to watch because you 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 see all these transfers coming in and and some names that you've no idea of but when you see them starting to come up on the senior team sheet and on on score sheets then you start to take notice. But well, uh, if, yeah, a, a, new, a new arrival always gets loads of chances. I've noticed. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes they can play above themselves. You hear fellas uh, might be playing at a club in Gavin and then they go to a different county and they get a new lease of life and play above themselves, but. Sometimes a new arrival comes in and they're they're struggling, but they keep getting played because they're the new fella. I've seen that happen yeah. a lot. But if he's a good player, um, uh, and I think I think I remember uh, talking about him to someone. I think he was a if it's the same man, he was a good free taker and a very good player in Mayo. So if he's a good player, he'd be a good addition to Kiligary because they're they're not that far short. No, no, definitely not. So uh, I think that that's all of the the. The talking points for this week, Paul. Yeah, that's us, Damien. So don't don't forget, folks, to uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash We Are Calvin, um, where we'll be looking back over the results from the weekend, game by game, in Division One, Two, and Three of the All County Football League, and uh, we might even see if we can't delve into a wee bit of hurling. The there was two games on Monday night, um, high-scoring hurling games, which is great to see that as well. And the ladies' league started off the weekend as well. So we'll try and get a wee bit of um, discussion on all of those points over on the Die Hard service. So, folks, thanks a million for listening to the McAvoy's Super Value GA podcast and have a good week. Mm-hmm.